Welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director of CIO Communities for CIO.com. And I'm very thrilled to welcome Mary Fran Johnson, host of CIO Leadership Live and CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Mary Fran has a deep history with CIO.com. She's the former editor-in-chief of the magazine and Executive Director of CIO Events. So today we're going to be talking about some very significant trends and topics CIOs and senior technology leaders have focused on this past year during conversations with Mary Fran on CIO.com's award-winning video show and podcast. I look forward to adding in some insights from CIOs I've spoken with in Canada and the UK and the US. So thank you so much, Mary Fran. This is the second in our series. We did one in 2023. Welcome. And maybe just a, a quick introduction would be fantastic. Oh, wow. So we're a series now. My gosh, these days you do <laughs> you do something more than once and you're off and running with a series. Uh, thank you so much, Lee. It's really good uh, to be back and to talk about all of the trends and topics that were catching CIO interest and attention this, this past year. And as I was just saying before we went on camera, I was somewhat worried that we'd be talking about a lot of the same things we said last year. But so much changes in this, the expansion of the CIO role, in the focus of the different companies. It's just, it's always a real thrill to be able to go back and take a look at how things are evolving and developing in the world of chief information officers. Yeah, really incredible. So I appreciate that intro. And of course, you know, you have your amazing show, CIO Leadership Live, that you host uh, live on LinkedIn and on our YouTube channel. And, you know, so much learning from that. And I know if people attend that, they can pop in and ask questions, which is really cool and very insightful for anyone's mm -hmm. listening. So I encourage any of those viewing to to get in the get it in the calendar and watch it because I enjoy watching them so much and you have some very key senior uh, CIOs from around the world on your on your podcast so thank you for that so I had a chance to watch our interview series from a year ago about the trends you were hearing from CIOs in 2022 okay well some things have really stayed the same and others have changed dramatically so let's kick off with that. Last year, we focused on tech leaders and their connection to the business as you know, a business leader and a technology leader. This year, I had a CIO say to me that the tech leader has to be bilingual. They must understand business and technology. Um, and that's mm -hmm. the key in my conversation. So what did you learn this year from CIOs about technology and business leadership? How have their roles grown more in the business? And that is such a wide open and excellent question, Lee. And I, as I was going back and revisiting some of the notes that I took during my interviews with the CIOs, I everyone who comes on my show, I talk with them for a good hour beforehand. We go over um, a list of questions that I send that tend to be iconic issues with CIOs, digital strategy, and what's changing in their talent searches and that sort of thing. And what I was struck by was how the same list of major issues and questions can result in so many different company perspectives. And I was that I think it's really well summed up. One of my uh, interviews this past year was with Bryson Kaler, who is the Chief Product Data Analytics and Technology Officer at Equifax. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. And one of my first questions to, when I was briefing with Bryson, I said, what is with the title that's got like four major areas of the business in it? 
And his, he, you know, and he laughed and he said, well, it's kind of catch all and everything. But it was more about how I thought it was such a wonderful example of how the chief technology officer, chief information officer, they are all, I think they're all starting to meld. If we were going to call it anything these days, it might be better off to call it chief strategy officer. Because that was one trend that I noticed as I was looking back at some of my uh, most significant interviews over the past year, how often not just the topic of talent would come up, but the ways that the CIO role is being architected to be a central driving force in the company strategy. I think of one of the examples um, with uh, Sheila Anderson, who is the CIO at Aflac, and I just... In, interviewed her very recently. And she was, when I asked her, what are you there to do? Her very first answer was, I'm here like most CIOs to enable business for the future. And there was such a huge emphasis on that. She talked about building the business rigor and the muscle to make sure that they were serving customers. And a lot of the same issues are still quite true for CIOs. They're very focused on the customer experience, how their digital products, whether they're in development or coming down the pike or in existence now, how those are enabling that. And then of course, that business technology leadership connection, I think is turning up in more and more ways now in businesses where it the company strategy is not just pivoting around technology. I think often the company strategy is being determined by what the customers and the the clients actually need from that company, whatever business they're in. Um, I one of my interviews this past year was with Donna Herlihy, who is the chief digital and information officer at Subway. Now he is an award-winning innovator who has been at several major companies such as Avon and Bloomin Brands, and he's got experience across hospitality and restaurant and retail. And he was talked back, and I actually thought he had gone off to retire and live happy life after CIO, but he got talked back by the CEO of the company because Subway was getting ready to prepare itself to be sold. And they had been engaging in a multi-year transformation journey that was very much impacted by the pandemic. And in the post-pandemic years, the digital strategy became so key to everything. And I was I was just fascinated talking with Donna about what brings you back to work, a really tough job, and then how do you get the talent that you need for it? And he ended up, you know, talking a lot about how driving uh, digital growth has more to do with the teams that you put together to deliver the technology. And that idea that you're creating an end-to-end -end accountability, not just with the tech team, but throughout the entire business. And I heard echoes of that kind of theme in a lot of the different CIO interviews across different industries over the past year. Very interesting. Uh, wow, that title is is really says it all, doesn't it? It's business first, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, I, I have a lot of CIOs telling me their companies are technology first companies. So they're taking out what the product and service is and they're saying, first of all, we're a technology company and then we do this or that, which is interesting because that I found flipped this year as well too. 
I mean, I'm really post COVID, I guess that's, you know, that mm-hmm. was the thing. We're not actually, we don't sell XYZ. We're a technology first company. So I think that really positions technology as the lead, lead role in the business. Um, and that really segues well into our next question mm-hmm. because it's the biggest topic of the year. Um, and when we t- chatted last year, I think we recorded it right before chat GPT was released. So we, we hadn't tried it yet. But uh, obviously the big topic for me uh, in talking with CIOs is, is uh, Gen AI. So I'm getting kind of a 50-50 response. Some are, yes, we're integrating it. They're working maybe with Microsoft and you know looking at Copilot and things like that. But mm-hmm. others are saying we're taking a really conservative approach. We're not sure yet. So I'd be interested to know what you're hearing from CIOs. So I think it was just yesterday, there was an excellent story that kind of summed up what we've all been hearing. It was in, on CIO.com and the headline was something like CIOs still taking a cautious approach to yeah. Gen AI from a global perspective. And I've been having actually a lot of fun on the podcast and the video show lately asking about Jenna AI, and everybody is interested. Uh, I've had um, the CIO from uh, Teradyne was on, um, Shannon Gath, and at one point she was one of my guests in the studio, and it's a really, uh, it's a wonderfully interactive interview, and she was talking about, she said, you know, this isn't magic, it's really math, (laughs) and the idea that AI and advanced analytics are already so deeply embedded in successful products and things the company are doing. That always comes across when I ask CIOs about the newer forms of it, like the chat GPT or Microsoft has a product that they they talk about a lot these days. A few of them said that they like the name of it because the idea that it's a co-pilot, mm-hmm. uh, that you know, you're not, that's not AI taking over human interactions, that sort of thing. But generally what comes across is that um, it's an exciting time to use Gen AI as a way to experiment. Um, Sheila Anderson from Aflac was on and her, their technology lab is called Hatch, you know, in keeping with the Aflac yeah. duck, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, um, I that. She talked about how they have multiple pilot projects and things going on, proofs of concept happening in their laboratories. And the innovation lab approach, I think, echoes across a lot of other industries. I know when I was speaking with uh, Shannon from uh, Teradyne, she was pointing out that at a recent Northeastern University gathering of about 30 CIOs, everybody was basically in student learning mode about it. It was very interesting. Everyone's watching it. In fact, at one point I asked, why is everybody so interested? I mean, just we didn't get this kind of reaction when blockchain was the newest kid on the block. There was never this kind of uproar about, say, cyber currencies. I mean, CIOs never in terms of technology uh, hype cycle bandwagons. This one is different, and it got explained to me by one of my guests who said it's so different because everybody is interested in it. And by everybody, they mean CEOs on down, you know, regular people that are using Amazon.com are probably probably wondering, oh, is there any gen AI in what I'm doing right now? And so I, I do think that it's a, you know, it's kind of a bullet train to the future right now, but nobody can really put a finger on whether that future will be rolling forth in a big obvious way next year or two years from now. I, I think the predictability of it is very difficult to pin down. 
but the interest levels are extremely high. And that ends up making it a good way for companies that are very interested in getting a reputation of being a magnet for technology talent. I'd say that they, they better have something going on where they're going to appeal to data engineers and software engineers that are maybe kicking the tires of their company and thinking about joining their engineering teams. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm what I'm hearing from a lot of uh, tech leaders as well is that you know, there have to be some frameworks, some like playing in a proper sandbox so that, right. you know, you have to have your strategy around it first, understand how you can use it, still experiment, like you said, having that innovation hub or lab is great. And then, you know, we're seeing governments now bringing in, you know, some more criteria around how they feel uh, it should be used. And so I know the US just released something in the UK did. So, yeah. you know, I think that's also going to be a guiding factor in all of this as well, too. But it's a really interesting time, that's for sure. And I think the speed of everything, the speed at which it can do things, you know, I keep saying to everybody, I think quantum is the next, it's going to be, this will happen and we'll sort of finish this part of our digital a transformation and then quantum and it'll just be super fast, super, super speedy technology. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. what happens in 2024. Well, I know when I was talking with uh, Katrina, um, Katrina Augusti, who is the CIO at Carhartt, they're the workwear yep. uh, apparel company. She was saying that the majority of conversations she's having these days with other business execs at Carhartt are about Gen AI and what's happening with it. And, and, you know, when do you think it might make a difference to us? And, you know, she really sees it as being something that the vendor community, if the, if your primary vendors are not stepping up right now to talk to you about it as the CIO, if they're not giving you an idea about their product roadmaps and how it might be useful, if they're not like reaching out a hand to be an equal partner, they may not end up being the the vendor or the supplier communities that you want to work with in the future. So a number of CIOs are paying special attention to how their primary partners are dealing with and you know coming around to take advantage of all of the interest in Gen AI and what it can do for productivity, for the employee experience, maybe a little further down the road, the customer experience, because the I know that the privacy and the privacy of data concerns are probably paramount with CIOs around it right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for adding that in. So you did talk a little bit about talent in, you know, previously, but last year we chatted a lot about people building teams, retention, mm -hmm. empowering staff. This year I found many CIOs talking to me about building really elite tech teams, you know, yeah. holding on to those talented teams. Um, and I had one CIO talk about trilingual leadership, which was business technology and, and being an empathetic leader. So, you know, that aspect of empathy, adding on to it to empower teams as a leader. So just wondering, um, you know, your, your, what you've heard from CIOs about talent and team building. Well, and it's, it's always a, it's a perpetual and a wonderful question about what CIOs are talking about. I have always found it to be in the top three of their interest areas. What I'm hearing a lot more about these days is the importance of the purpose and the mission behind what they're doing in technology and how they're using that not just to engage and, and bring in new engineering talent, that's probably a subset of all this, 
is how important it's become for companies to uh, increase their data engineering and software engineering capabilities. That's probably been going on forever, but there is a lot more focus on it now because more companies are starting to insource. They had been, I talked with one CIO who had about 70% of an organization, well over 2,000 people involved in technology, 70% of it was through managed service providers. Mm -hmm. And she had been talking with her board and her CEO about how they want to change that ratio, not overnight, but probably over the next year or two, they want to bring it more to 60-40, 50-50. And I always applaud that. I always think that when, I mean, there's there's tons of great managed server, managed server provider, managed, what am I trying to say? Management service provider companies out there. But that none of them can actually be part of your company and your mission and on board with all of those purpose-driven aspects of uh, what makes your company a great place to work. Mm -hmm. And those culture conversations that we, you and I talked about last year, they're still happening and they're still going on. And I often ask, CIOs, I notice, have gotten uh, really good at pitching why their company is a great place to work. And it is sometimes about all the cool technology things they're working on, but it's more often about the culture itself and whether it's flexible hours or how purpose-driven, what a great uh, what a great relationship the company has with its customers. It's that idea of being part of something bigger than yourself. And that has come up as a, a theme, especially over the last year that I didn't hear as much about in previous years. And I think it's probably much more front and center to all of us, uh, you know, as a result of all that empathetic and transparent leadership that we keep reading about and talking about on, on shows like yours. I agree with you. And I, you know, just what you described right there is, is the business leader, right? That's the side of the technology leader that's had to pivot, that understands, you know, what it means to build a culture, have a strategy, have a vision. Uh, I don't know if you know, well, I think you do know, but this year I was very honored to uh, interview Manfred Boudreau-Demma, who's the CIO of NATO. And he talked about, you know, how they look at following the North Star of the organization. So really tapping into what's got, what the guiding principles are. And, uh, you know, that is to me just about becoming more embedded in that C-suite leadership as a business leader. So some great observations there. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I was just thinking of one of my CIOs that I talked with, uh, Don Gowen, who is an EVP and CIO of Texas Capital Bank. And he, the bank is in the middle of recapitalizing itself and changing business strategies, but they were investing heavily in talent and technology um, in ways that th had never been done before. And they brought Don in to essentially help them explain their value proposition to investors. I mean, this is where I, I think of Don as one of those CIOs who has a chief strategy officer sound and feel about him. But he was talking about how he has to, for himself, answer the question, why are, why are great talents coming to our company? And a lot of it he thought had to do with just the, not only the tremendous amount of work and the challenge, but how 
the tech was going to be helping to strategically shape what the bank was going to be in the future. He had a huge focus on uh, training and upskilling. And he was he was even talking about how much he was enjoying now. He has a deep, deep technical background himself. He started as a developer years ago and a software engineer. And I, I've heard this from other CIOs as well. He doesn't feel like he has to hide that anymore. He And he was describing one meeting that they were having with a potential, a, a new startup company that was a potential partner. And he said he was able to just like talk unlike a banking executive and unlike a CIO who, you know, has a management background, but not deep tech, but he could basically just get into talking about technology with them. And that he used to spend a lot of time hiding his technical ability. And I think that that might be one of the new things. It's like a, a lot of CIOs are now, if they have that kind of background, they're okay with, even proud of talking about it again, because the ability to really understand your developers and your technical staff to having been one of them in the past, I think that that has becoming, for some companies, more significant. Great, great insight there. And that ties really in well to our last question here. And that's our wrap-up question. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are some of the key takeaways from your discussions this year? What do you believe the CIO will be focusing on in 2024? Well, and you may be disappointed in my answer here because I think what the CIOs are going to be focusing on depends so much on their industry and their company and what they are trying to do. You know, in, in the past, we could say everybody is focused on customer service. Everybody is focused on developing the talent teams. I run into CIOs now who are really focused. They're they're a little late to the party, but they're starting their first journey toward uh, cloud, toward moving a lot of legacy into cloud. They may be for the very first time dabbling in Gen AI, as we've talked about. I think it it's so dependent on the industry that they're in and what the company is trying to achieve. And that's where I think the chief strategy officer aspect of being a chief information officer these days, that plays in much more. I, you know, I could probably come up with five, 10, even 15 key topics, a lot of the ones that we've been talking about here and that we both talk about on our shows, but there's no one focal point for CIOs, I think, beyond moving their companies toward the future. And that's as I, you know, quoted my my very first one, Sheila Anderson from Aflac, talking about she is really there to enable and envision the business in the future. And um, I, I, I hope that's not a disappointment. But I was trying to come up with uh, a whole like the top three focus areas. We've already mentioned Gen AI. Uh, talent is always a big focus area, making sure the, fo the focus is on customers. I think those are uh, maybe table stakes now, but in terms of what's going to be the big takeaway for 2024, I think it's talk to your board and your CEO. That's Those are the people that are going to know that. And you'll be, as the CIO, you'll be one of the people helping to shape and direct that mission. What a fantastic way to wrap up this interview. Thank you so much, Mary Fran, for joining us for at our new series. Uh, you know, it's a wrap. I'm calling it It's a Wrap. Uh, really, okay. really insightful. Thank you so much for sharing your, you know, stories that you've spoken with, with various CIOs and some of the trends they're talking about. And obviously the way you analyze it and look at it overall, I totally, I very much appreciate it so, so much. Thank you for being here. 
Um, and, you know, if you want to learn more about uh, or watch some of our CIO Leadership Live shows, they're all available online in a library of more than 100 interviews that you've done, Mary Fran, dating back to 2017. You can mm -hmm. head on over to CIO.com or CIO's dedicated YouTube channel. And also you can visit us on LinkedIn at CIO Online. Thank you. Yes. So much. Thank you so much again, Mary Fran. You're so welcome, Lee. And I just before I let you go, I wanted to one more plug. I wanted to remind all of your CIO friends and colleagues in Canada that they should be looking at the CIO 100 Innovation Awards Program and applying. It's yes. open now. If you are doing anything in your business where technology is helping the business and delivering results to it, you need to think about getting your team honored for that. We have a lot of every year, something three or 400 companies from around the world apply for this award. The majority do tend to be in the US, but I'd love to see that become more of an international award. So Canada CIOs, yes. pay attention, apply yes. for a CIO 100 Innovation Award. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for, uh, for letting everyone know about that. I appreciate that very much. And I thank you for joining us again today and just wishing everyone a happy and healthy holiday season with our best wishes from CIO. Thanks yes. again, Mary Fran. You're very welcome, Lee. Take care, everyone.